All right, good afternoon, everyone. We'll turn to page 277. Oh 
Sing happy birthday to Miss Hannah back there. I was trying to uh, remember what I was fixing to do, and then I remembered. So I've got some books here that I want to give away. Now, I'll be honest with you. Most of these books are for preachers, okay? But I do have some that uh, could be used for some of you young ladies. And so I have probably at least, at least three uh, for some young ladies. And so let me ask the, um, the young preachers, if your young preachers stand up for me this, this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is. Uh, there's one, two, stand up, boy. There's three. All right. So are any of you studying, so those are the same, are any of you studying out of the book of Psalms right now? Are you close to Psalm 23? You're past it? Would you like to go back to Psalm 23? Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you this book. Come up and get it. All right. This is uh, Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Do you have that? Okay, good. All right. And then, uh, let me see. What about, do, do any of you, I know you have all the men of the Bible, right? 
Okay. Do you have anything by Herbert Lockyer? Any books by Herbert Lockyer? Do you, uh, Zach? Okay. What's your favorite color, red or blue? Okay. All right. Here's you a paperback. Uh, all of the men in the Bible. Zachary, come back up and get this. Because you already have this one, right? Okay. Sorry. There's that. Miss Tanya, you want a book? <laughs> all right. So let's see. What about... I don't know if he can handle that one. Let's do this one. Uh, Ashton, what about delighting? Do you ever read anything by A.W. Tozer? Okay. All right. So there's a brand new book. Of course, it's not brand new by A.W. Tozer. He's been dead a couple days. But uh, that's a good one. Um, a lot of these are reprints by uh, A.W. Tozer, and they end up using other scriptures as their quotations. But... Uh, thankfully, I was able to find all these, and they, they remain in the King James. So somebody say amen right there. All right, let's take a break real quick. What about you ladies? Any of you young ladies? I'm going to say, how um, do I want to do it? Um, let's just say 20 and below, okay? Any of you young ladies read books? Won't you stand up? Is you kidding me? One, two, three, four. Out of all them women. Wow. Okay. All right. So I have, I'll tell you what, I'm going to add this one right here in. There is, again, this is A.W. Tozer, No Greater Love, and uh, this is Experience the Heart of Jesus through the book of John. Okay. And then I have three. Evie, you remain standing. Now, this may be too old for you. But you can grow into it, okay? And so I'm going to give you one of these, all right? So, No Greater Love. You like love stories? You like reading love stories? Okay. You like the mushy stuff? Okay, good. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? You like that mushy stuff? You ought not be reading that mushy stuff. Ashlyn, do we need to tell on you? No? Okay. So... Who who wants the who wants no greater love? All right, out, out of you three, who wants what what's what is what is Brother David Dent's favorite pastime? I don't even know. What do you think it is? All right, favorite saying. You don't know. What? Oh yeah, marrying Tanya, honey. Okay, did, did any of them get something on the on the head? Rachel, okay. Rachel, you come and grab this book. And then, Kirk, if you will. All right. Now, Nicholas, you're not a preacher, but I want you to read this. Okay. This is a tremendous book, The Heartbeat of the Holy by, um, I forgot his first name, Noss, Keith Noss, I believe it is. Wonderful book. And um, regardless if you're a preacher or not, it will absolutely help you. It, it brings some stuff into play. All right, so I've got two more books here. And I think what I'm going to do, um, one has to be to a preacher because it's advice from older preachers to younger preachers. So... I think you already have one. I think I gave you one. I think I gave you one. And you're 
you're not even included in this. You're old now. So I think this is what I'm going to do. Um, Hunter, I'm going to get you a book. You don't read, do you? Okay, I'm not even going to worry about you. Do you read? Okay, I'm going to give you this one. This is Mystery of the Holy Spirit. Preaching online, uh, speaking to Brother Stenet Ballou, I highly recommend you go to Sermon Audio and look up Brother Stenet Ballou, and he has got a charge to preachers that will absolutely set you on fire. So uh, if you'll if you'll check that out, that'll be a blessing. All right. And so uh, some of those are from from my library that I had some duplicates, and then some of those are brand spanking new books. But all of those has got a card, um, a, a business card. And so I know most of you already have my number, but if I could ever help you in any way, please make sure to reach out to me, and, and I, I want to build a relationship with you. All right. And so um, let's let's uh, uh, let's get to work on that. All right. So um, Kaylee, won't you start us out first? Okay. All right. I think I told Brother Brian I'd have him start us out first, but <clears throat> that's all right. You want you want guitar or piano? Piano. Okay. Miss Tanya, if you can come help her with this. This is a song that, that she probably sings 20, 27 songs, but this is the only song I remember. Um, but if not for grace, and a beautiful song. And if you would, you pray for Miss Kaylee. And then when they get done, Brother Brian, your family, you come and sing us about uh, two or three songs. And then we'll have um, um, Chandler. I'm going to put you up first. All right, seven minutes. Can you handle it? All right, all right. Go ahead, Miss Kate. There'd be no hope from heaven above. 
I sit here and think about just what he's done. Start counting my blessings one by one. I do not deserve all that he's done for me, but I'll praise him forever through eternity. I am amazed that he take the time to give me such blessings that fill up my Thank you. 
time to give me such blessing that fill up my life. He is so good, I cannot express how thankful I am. I am so Thank God for 
and we consider how frail and how finite we are, I'm glad we can look at God and tell and declare that He is not. He's not weak. He's not weary. He's not... Um, any, any of our weaknesses, when we compare it to God, we can find that God is not. Amen? And I'm thankful for that today. <coughs> I ask you if you would, uh, pray for uh, Brother Chandler Amoson. Is that right? And so if you will, you come on, brother. Uh, you be praying for him. I appreciate uh, him coming and, and this brother bringing him. And he was supposed to be with coming with, I think, brother Michael Calhoun. Is that right? <coughs> but uh, brother Michael's not able to be here, but I'm glad you were. Did he get turned on? I think so, maybe. Let me see. So um, I want you young folks, if you would, you adults, now, just because it's a youth meeting, that doesn't mean that us adults turn everything off, okay? So we can all get help too, uh, but you pray for him, and uh, this young preacher, when he gets done, we'll have another song, and then Brother Ashton will come, um, possibly. Brother Ashton, I may have you come right on, so just be ready. Um, but uh, you just you just let the Lord speak to your heart, young and old alike, and uh, you help him, amen him. Uh, owe me yourself if, if that's necessary, um, but uh, you ask the Lord just to bless him. I'm giving him seven minutes. Brother uh, Brian, you're my watchkeeper, all right? So if you see him standing up and he ain't shouting, that means sit down. Yes, sir. All right? Same thing goes for Ashton. Now, Ashton, you might be able to whoop him 
At least you look like you can, but I'm going with him, all right? All right, God bless you, brother. Ten. If you would, turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 104. The Lord's had this message on my heart for a while now, and I preached it at our church on the radio, but I had no clue that I would be preaching this here. But this is what the Lord's got on my heart. Let's jump right into the text. Verse number 1 in chapter 104, Psalms, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you put your touch on me, Lord. All is in vain, lest the Holy One come down, Lord. And, Lord, I don't want to stand and try to preach in word only, Lord. I want the Holy Ghost on me, Lord. I ask you now that the Holy Ghost just move as I preach. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I want to take this passage of Scripture, and this is, is a very unique. If you go to uh, the chapter before, Psalms chapter 103, it's talking about the goodness of the Lord. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. I want to preach on this thought. We've got a very great God. We've got a very great God. And I want to thank God for all He's done for me. And I want to preach on the first point of this message is some things He did for us. And can I start and say I would be foolish not to say he did if I didn't mention that he died for us he died for us he saved us from hell he gave us a family he gave you a car he gave you a home he gave you a mama he gave you a daddy he gave you a home in heaven and can I say thank God I'm glad that in 2008 as a lost sinner on his way to hell he found me and he saved me by the grace of God and thank God I'm so glad and I got a great God thank God I'm gonna very very great God. And can I say, well, well, what America's looking for today is not in the White House. It's not. It's a, we need to get back on a sermon of great God. And can I say we're looking for the wrong thing. If we're looking for somebody in the White House, if we're looking for a preacher to fill the gap, some miraculous thing, we need to go with God. God's going to fill it up. God will call a man. God will save a man. God will use them. Can I say we've got a very very great God. Uh, can I say we'd be foolish uh, today uh, to try to thank ourselves for where we've been. I'm talking about a preacher that makes me sick. Uh, when I see a preacher say he's built the church himself. Uh, can I say what a foolish man. Uh, it's by the grace of God, uh, honey, that we're not burning in hell today. Uh, thank God I got a very great God that would save me from hell and would save me in my sin. Uh, but thank God. Aren't you glad that you're not what you used to be? Oh, thank God I've got a great God. I've got the mercy of God on my life. God's been very good. He's had His mercy on me. And thank God I can't help it but tell about it. God's been better than I deserve. He's been better than I deserve. Oh, He's been better than I deserve. Thank God I've got a very great God. And the Bible said, But God committed His love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 316 says, oh, For God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever should believe in Him uh, should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, man, I'm going to take my glasses off. Oh, thank God. I've got a very great God. I want to tell you today, uh, we forget about God, and we try to go on in our life, and we don't bring uh, the Holy God in our life. Oh, can I tell you 
the answer still in this book? Are the answer still God? Uh, what are we going to do in 2023? A uh, young person, you look at me. Uh, you won't ever get anywhere uh, without God on your side. I've been praying for you. I wonder who's on their way to hell tonight. I wonder who's sitting on the church pew uh, dying on their way to hell. Can I say the best thing you could ever do is put your trust in the God of heaven. Uh, thank God i got a very great God. And I want to say, Point number two, some people that would agree with me. Some people that would agree with me. I believe Adam would say, he, he created the world with me, and I messed up, and I messed up. I hearkened to uh, my wife's voice, which hearkened to Satan's, and I, I messed up. Uh, but God gave me three boys, and I've been, I'm now in heaven. I think he said God's been pretty good. I think Abram would say, oh, I was just an Ur. And one day God called me out by his grace. And now I'm the friend of God. I thank God I've got a very great God. I believe Bradvis would say, I was on a hill. I was supposed to be on a hill on a cross. But God took my place for me. I thank God. I've got a very great God. I believe Cornelius would say, I was the first man. I was the first Gentile to ever be saved. Thank God I've got a very great God. I believe Daniel would say, I was supposed to be eaten alive, but God's been pretty good. Oh, how am I doing on time, brother? Two minutes. I want to say this. Lord's telling me to quit, preacher. Lord's telling me to quit. I won't sit down. I won't say this. Young person, you may have... You used to sit where you used to sit. I used to, I used to think what you used to think. What, what is this crazy man up there screaming got to do with me? And I tell you, I remember something that changed my life was the man of God standing up, just weeping over the pulpit, saying, don't waste your life. Don't waste. Listen to me. Don't waste your life. If you're not saved, get saved. I wonder what God's been working on your heart to do. I wonder if you'd sell out this morning. I wonder if you'd come down and sell out at the altar. I want to remind you of we've got a very great God. We've got a very great God. Well, that blessed my heart. I tell you, it's been a long time since. Uh, was that 
It's not. Um, well, I remember when I went to youth meetings and I was 12 and 13, 14, 15, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, like I see in front of me. And I remember the young guys would get up and preach curtain, preach just like this young guy, just screaming the top of their lungs, giving it all they had for 10 minutes, out of breath and wore out. It blessed my heart. Brought back some memories. <laughs> I, I've, I've told y'all here in this church before that when I was your age, uh, I begged God to call me to preach. I, I wanted to preach so bad. I just, you know, I was raised in it. Daddy did it. Everybody's friends did it. My friends were doing it. I said, God, I want to preach like wasn't his will for my life. I didn't get that blessed calling. You guys that are going to stand here in front of us today, I'm going to tell you something. You better honor God for that calling he's given on you. There's some people like me that give anything back in those days to have that calling on our life. But nevertheless, God wrought a miracle in my heart. And he had a place for me in the ministry. I'm so thankful for where he's put me and my family. to be there when the Savior spoke a great command and to witness in the wonder of His wonder i 
want you, and, and here's the word that I may deal with here in just a little while, <clears throat> I want you to dig, okay, because now they've got seven minutes, and I've been there, some of you others have been there, and part of that is to teach, part of that reason that you give them a time limit is to teach them to stay within the confines of a time. Now, our church which wishes probably I had a time limit. <laughs> Hannah, it's your birthday, you have no right to shake your head. But so, so that's one reason. But if you'll take it and you'll go home and dig a little bit further into what they started preaching about, because mm. some of them won't be able to finish their message. Yeah, there ain't no telling what God might do for you, even though you've not heard everything that they've studied. But because you've dug, God might bless you. All right. And so, Brother Ashton, you come and you preach. Amen. Thank you, brother. If you will grab your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Amen. Amen. I, I met uh, Chandler here last year, and I, I didn't get to know him too well. Well, then he came over to our revival that we had at Twin Oaks Baptist Tabernacle. I got to know him real well. And, brother, tonight you have tremendously blessed me. I, I'm not going to praise you because, brother, it wasn't you. Amen. But God touched you tonight, and that was a blessing. Amen. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I just want to look at verse uh, 31, uh, because this is, this is a very, very, very familiar portion of Scripture, uh, amen, and it's where David slays Goliath, amen. So I'm going to read in verse 31, and we'll see where we go from there. It says, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. 
Uh, let's get down to verse number 37. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Dear most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord God, touch me. Anoint me, Lord God. Hide me behind the cross that I'll say nothing more, nothing less, and I'll get down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would like to preach to, uh, the, this afternoon on the thought of God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. This has been on my heart for a few months now. As soon as Brother Jamie said, hey, we're going to have the youth meeting. If I knew that there was even a lick of a chance that I was going to get up here, I knew that I had to be studying. And it brought me right here to something so simple, amen, that a child could understand it. And we hear it from a young age in old Sunday school. We look at the picture of this itty-bitty man and this big old giant and a sling and a stone, amen. But I want to say that, God, that you need to be ready and you need to tell God that you're ready this evening. Uh, Brother Chandler's already talked about the greatness of God. Amen. And He is a great God. And that's why you need to be ready to be an advocate for Him. You need to be ready to get out and preach the gospel. Whether you're a preacher or not, you are called to preach the gospel. Amen. First, I need to see that all of you are going to say, I'm ready no matter my age. In verse number 28, it says, And Eliab, his, old, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness. I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou might see the battle. Eliab is telling him you are too little. Uh, you're not thinking about the right things. You have no right being down here. But I'm telling you all the way from Jasper to the oldest person in this room, you have a right to be in this church today. Amen. There were some people that were not able to make it, but you were. Make the best out of it. It was God's purpose for you to be here. No matter your age, this is a youth meeting and I'm preaching to the youth but I'm preaching to the elderly as well God sends his battles be ready amen no matter when the moment the day the year it comes it is going to come every single day the sun's going to rise again unless it rises in a different part and those trumpets sound and we'll get out of here but that's a whole different message amen essentially I see in verse number 28 that his brother called him immature amen I see that uh, it mentions his age but this does not matter this does not matter. Amen. Even from Jasper's age, I remember out at Camp Canaan, uh, my family, we went to that old rock altar, and I had no clue what he was talking about. I don't think he knew what he was talking about, but he just started squalling, Brother Jay, and that was enough for me to sit there and cry. That was enough for me to sit there and shout, because no matter your age, you need to serve God. Amen. Also, I see uh, point number two, no matter my fights, I'm going to serve the Lord. In verse number 37, it says that he delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the bear, and he will deliver me. Amen. David knew that God was going to deliver him. He didn't know that he was going to beat that giant, but he knew that either way, God was going to bring him through. That God was going to bring him through. Let me tell you today, no matter your fight, no matter the size of it, no matter the length of the war, you are going to win. Whether you win here on earth or you win in heaven, God will bring you through. Amen. Point number three, I see that we need to say, God, I'm ready no matter my outcome. Amen. I thought of this, this little, whatever you want to call it. But it says, win, lose, or tie, if I have to die, I will serve the Lord. Amen. Yes, yes, David won. And you will too. But you need to learn that you're going to take a loss every now and then. You need to learn that you're going to get knocked down. Amen. You need to get back up. And no matter what, no matter what, God. Win, lose, or tie. If I have to die, I'm going to serve the Lord. Are you ready today? 
I'm used to this. I'm, I'm used to us old folks preaching. All right, Zachary Howard, you come on up this this evening, and uh, the the Do Russells or the Do Bears or whoever's going to sing from them, you you get ready. All right, how many's going to pray for Brother Zachary Howard today? Amen. I've watched this one grow since he was his brother's age, I guess, or even younger than that, I reckon. Um, but uh, you pray for him and ask the Lord just to bless him. All right. Go ahead and open up to Psalms chapter number 111. We're going to read one quick verse here. Reading in verse number 2 real quickly for the sake of time. It says in verse number 2, The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all of them that have pleasure therein. We've already heard about how great our God is. We've already heard about how the good things he's done for us and all that he's done for us, even though we don't deserve it from the songs, from the first message. We've heard about how good our God is. So I want to look at this scripture here. Uh, We'll go through this quick little verses here. Uh, But verse number two, it says the works of the Lord are great. See, I want to look. We'll look through these six verses here. It's a psalm of praise. The title of some in certain Bibles is the greatness of God's works or the hallelujah praise unto the Lord. Imitating that we must address ourselves to the use of the psalm with our hearts disposed to praise God. The psalm is exhorting to praise God. See, first off, he is setting himself up for an example. See, he furnishes us no matter the praise from the works of God, the greatness of his works, to glorify them, the righteousness of them, the goodness of them, and then the power in them. See, he recommends a holy fear of God and the consciousness obedience to his commands as acceptable way of praising God. As it says in verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding, have all that do this commandments, his praise endureth forever. I want to look at verse number four real quickly. Verse number four, it says, he has made wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. So first off, we look at verse number verse number two. Uh, the work, the works of the Lord are great, but verse number four, it says he is gracious and full of compassion. So God not only has power in his works, as we've already heard about the powerful things he does for us and the good things he done for us, but he has passion in his works. See, God cares about us so much. So when he does things for us, he does them with compassion. Psalms eighty six fifteen. But thou, O Lord, art full of com- art God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and plenty, plenteous in mercy and truth. First in mind of the psalmist was great God's great work of grace and love. He is full of these qualities. His being expresses them in his great works. So he is full of compassion towards his people, as appears from his works and care towards us and sparing us pardoning us, restoring, and preserving us when we deserve nothing from him. See, it's a further instance of grace and compassion he has given to meet to those who fear him. As it says in verse number 5, he gives them their daily bread, food covenant for them, so he does others by common providence. But those who fear him, he gives a covenant of pursuit of the promise. For it follows he will be mindful of the covenant so that they can taste covenant love and common mercies some refer to the manna which God has fed the people in Israel in the wilderness. Others are spoiled to other Egyptians when they come out of the great substance according to the promise. So God is promising them. He is promising them manna. He has given compassion to them to give them the things that they need. Genesis fifteen fourteen, And also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge afterward and shall come out with great substance. They were getting substance. They were getting great things 
from God that they didn't even deserve. See, we don't even deserve to be here. I don't even deserve to be behind this pulpit preaching to y'all. None of us deserve to be where we are tonight. But I'm thankful that God had compassion to us. So that way he would go to crawl on the cross and die for our sins just because he had so much care for somebody he didn't even know. Somebody who wasn't even on the face of the earth. He had so much compassion and he died for them so we could be here today. See, they are very kind works. In them, the Lord shows that he is gracious and he's full of compassion. He'll never run out of care for us. See, God pardoning sin is the most wonderful of all his works and most great things of his compassion in which we ought to be remembered for his glory. And Psalm seventy-eight thirty-eight. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. So that's why it says in verse number 4, it says he made his wonderful works to be remembered. That's why it says in this verse, it, they need to be remembered. For all the great things he's done for us, we need to remember what he's done. So that's why when we're down and we're wondering how we're going to make it through, as Brother Ashton said, there's going to be trials and there's going to be times when we're down. We can remember the great compassionate things that God has done before and we can get through. Then I want to look at verse number one. It says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. So not only is there passion in his works, but there's praise for his works. There needs to be praise for his works. See, God has been powerful and he's been compassionate towards us. So we ought to praise him. Psalms 103, 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. He's been good to us, even though we don't deserve it. Like I said before, his works should be remembered so we can praise him for them. So he has made wonderful works to be remembered. He's done that and which instituted ways, which means keeping some of them in remembrance as deliverance of Israel to Egypt by the Passover. He has made himself a memorial by his wonderful works. See, Psalms 111, it starts out with a simple declaration. He's declaring that he will praise God. He's declaring that no matter what anybody else does, I will praise. It was if the psalmist thought, before I describe how I'll praise him, let me simply declare his praise. The declaration also had the idea of encouraging others to do the same, as it says, and in the congregation. He's saying, I'm going to be an example. I'm going to do it in front of everybody that I know, in front of people that I don't know. I'm going to set an example of praising God for the things that he's done for me. So if you see someone in church giving thanks, if you see us hooping and hollering because we're just so excited about the things that God's done, it's to make you want to get excited a little bit. Because if you don't have nothing else to be excited about, you should be excited that God has saved you and you're here tonight. And I'm running a little long on time, so I'll just stop here. Uh, but it says we should praise him with our whole heart. We should praise him with everything we've got, with nothing left. See, Psalms 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name. He's done so much for us that all that we can give is not even enough. So we will praise the Lord with our whole heart. See, Spurgeon said, God cannot acceptably be praised with a divided heart. Neither should we attempt to dishonor him for our whole heart is little enough for his glory. And there could be no reason why we shouldn't lift up his praise. See, we must remember God's greatness in his works. I'm thankful there is power and passion in his works. So with that, we should praise him for them. Enjoy that message tonight. Amen. This afternoon, whatever it is, what time is it? Oh, yeah, we're running good. Amen. I, I appreciate the difference in styles. Uh, they didn't try to imitate one another. 
Uh, they didn't. They 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 probably have some good people. I know your pastor. He's somebody that I would want to imitate. And so there's there's some brother. His pastor's name is uh, Terrell. If you're on one side of the track, if you're on the other side, it's Terrell. And uh, so I grew up in the swamp in in Florida. And when I met him, it was Terrell. And uh, then all got around all these white folks, and they said, "No, it's Terrell." And I said, "Well, y'all didn't grow up like I grew up." So. Um, but uh, I appreciate you young men um, uh, preaching this morning or this afternoon. And I, I want to give you just a little bit of something. Brother Kurt's going to get ready to preach here in just a little while. But before they do, I want Nathan and Rachel and whoever y'all want to sing with you. Mama's back there if you want her. Um, but y'all can get ready here in just a few minutes. I told you about the message that Brother <clears throat> Stenet Ballou preached. Uh, the other day, and I think it was Tuesday I listened to that, Wednesday, uh, he made a statement in it, and uh, I, uh, I preached from that on Wednesday night. But uh, some of you may know him or may remember him, uh, but Brother Hanley Milby, uh, I've, I never met him. I've just recently come across some people that, that have talked about him, so I listened to several of his messages that same day. And uh, just kind of in passing, he uh, well, not in passing, he preached an entire message out of Genesis chapter number 26. Now, I'm not going to preach. I just want to give you just a burden that the Lord gave me then for today. And uh, that is, uh, are you going to dig? Are you going to dig? And in uh, Genesis chapter 26, we find that, that Isaac now is a grown man, and he's married, and he's got a family of his own, and he is trying to make a name for himself, if you will. He's trying to make sure to follow God. And everywhere that he went, it's as if uh, someone came against him. And so he had to pick up and had to go again. And so in verse 17 of Genesis 26, it says, And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. But here we go. The herdmen of Gerar uh, did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. And here we go. Isaac digged another well, in verse 21, and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and he, uh, for they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth, or Rehoboth, however you say it. And he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. Now you turn over and you look at verse number uh, 31 or 32, I believe it is. His servants, he left there, but his servants stayed. His servants continued to dig. Uh, um, after his instruction, and it came to pass that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said, we have found water. Now, I, I know that uh, my daddy was saved before I was. He was saved about three or four years before I was. Maybe your daddy, your daddy was saved 15 or 12, 12, 13 years before you were Kaylee, I don't remember which come first, the chicken or the egg. I don't know which one got saved first. But we could go throughout here and we could see that maybe our parents got saved first. 
our parents had a relationship with God. Maybe not. Maybe you're, maybe you're on that side where you, as a young person, you are the one that got into church. Someone invited you, and so now you have a relationship with God, but maybe your parents don't. Here's my word of encouragement today. Don't depend on the well that someone else has dug. You go ahead and dig. It's good that these men have their pastors that they can look to and they can imitate when the time comes and they can and they can learn from him and they can study under him. It's good that you young ladies have good men of God that that you can uh, pattern your life and pastors' wives and ladies in the church that you can pattern your lives. But I want you to know today you are going to have to dig your own well. Abraham had some good wells, but the Philistines came and filled it in. And there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote Philistines trying to fill in the wells that your mom and daddy, your pastor and his wife, and everybody else has dug. But if you will stick to it, and you will do the digging yourself, you can find yourself in verse 32 and say, we have found water. Matter of fact, he says there about that water uh, that he called the name of it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba. And that word Sheba or Sheba, it means a vow or an oath. He said, this is where God's promise was made real. To I'm about to run. This is where God's promise was made real to me. It's not just a promise that God gave Abraham, but Isaac said it's a promise that God gave me. And you can say today that I know God made my daddy, my mama, my grandparents, my whatever, a promise. But if you'll dig today, if you'll purpose, one of the young men said, uh, if you'll dig today, I promise you, you might spend another 20 years. But if you'll keep digging, God will bless you and you will find what? Amen. Y'all come and sing this evening. I appreciate the Lord. Man, alive. I've been blessed so much. Uh, today I have I have not fretted, and you know me, I'm a Psalm 37 has been worming its way through my heart, and it says, "Fret not thyself." I didn't even get beyond that. All I kept reading was fret not thyself. And, and I'd get worried about fret not thyself. And I'd get another text. Fret not thyself. And I'd get down in the dumps. Fret not thyself. Somebody else would get sick. Fret not thyself. I say hallelujah. Fret not thyself. Let's just enjoy the Lord. We still got more preaching, more singing. Abby, and if y'all can sing, do you know how it feels after Kurt gets done preaching? That'd be great. If, if you can, just let me know. But uh, you pray for the youngins. This is this is the Do Russells right here. So you pray for them. Y'all sing two songs if you got them ready. All right. Amen. Amen. Fret not thyself. Hallelujah.
the future holds for me or where this lonely road will lead. I only know I've never walked alone when life just doesn't make sense. I know who Jesus is. He's the only one with power to wash away my sin who offers me forgiveness again and again he picks up the pieces when life falls apart he is the redeemer of my shattered heart I don't know what trusting him will look like what he
switch gears and get an older older preacher up here i don't i don't know what the i don't know how to take it um ashton said he was preaching also to the elderly he said i'm preaching to the younger ones and also to the elderly i felt like that was like 20 and up and i felt attacked uh, just a little bit i felt attacked so this is one of our elder preachers here <laughs> He's only been preaching for a couple of years, but uh, he's a blessing to our church. So you pray for Brother Kurt and uh, ask God just to give him what we need. All right. It seems like older, and some of y'all are probably that are older than I, Dad. Uh, <laughs> until you get to however old you may be, but. Uh, yeah, uh-huh, he tells me all the time, oh, you just wait, it's coming. But, uh, I thank God for for what he's done in this meeting already. I thank him for saving me. I thank him for allowing those of us that are here to make it uh, here today. I know many were not able to make it. It's a blessing to be here. Uh, my wife's not here. Um, she's back with our youngest son, Luke. He's not doing well, but uh, he's, he's making it. He's making it. But um, thank God. For his grace. I thank him for his love and his mercy. And uh, I was going to, I was talking to my pastor a little bit. Uh, I was intending on doing a message about love. I think it was uh, found somewhere in the book of John, but I went a little different direction. We're going to be in 1 John chapter number 3. And I will, uh, in the introduction, I will talk for a moment about love because without the love that we'll be speaking of, the rest of this message would not be. And so just for a few moments, I'm going to talk a little bit about love and how God loves you and I and how we love Him. Again, First John will be in chapter number 3, beginning in verse 1. Just read down through verse number 3, I believe. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he 
is pure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for uh, placing the burden of this meeting on our pastor's heart. God, I pray that you'll hide me now behind the cross, Father, and I pray for you to be lifted up and you to be glorified, God, in your word and your spirit, God, to be heard and felt. And we thank you, God, for moving in the hearts of the pews and uh, up here behind this pulpit. I pray that you'll touch the remainder of the service. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to speak just for a moment by way of introduction about the love. It says, behold. That means stop and take a second and think about this and ponder on this. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us? And we all know for God, it's already been mentioned, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever shall call upon Him shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on Him shall have everlasting life. And I'm going to read a, uh, the, uh, the 1828, I believe it is, Webster definition of love. It's a little bit lengthy reading, but I want to read this and then make a couple of statements about it. It says, in a general sense, to be pleased with, to regard with affection. Pastor, you preached about setting your affection on some things. Setting your affection on the things above, but on account of some qualities which excite pleasing sensations or desire of gratification. We love a friend on account of some qualities which give us pleasure in his society. We love a man who has done us a favor, in which case gratitude enters into the composition of our affection. We love our parents and our children on account of their connection with us and on account of many qualities which please us. We love to retire to a cool shade in summer. We love a warm room in winter. Brother David, I know you get cold all the time. I know you love a warm room in the winter. We love to hear an eloquent advocate. And you and I have an advocate. The Christian loves his Bible. In short, we love whatever gives us pleasure and delight. Whether, uh, and if our hearts are right, we love God above all Things as the sum of all excellence and all the attributes which can communicate happiness to intelligent beings. In other words, the Christian loves God with the love of complacency in his attributes, the love of benevolence towards the interest of his kingdom, and the love of gratitude for favors received. So we can see in this lengthy definition how you and I, why you and I may have a love for the Father. But none of this really makes sense for why he would have a love for us. Because there's nothing that we've done for him. There's nothing that you and I have done to deserve his love. There's no benefit that he really needs from you and I that would, that would uh, give him a love for you and I. But God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. I don't know why He loves you and I. I cannot fathom it in my finite mind why He would love us. But we can think of a multitude of reasons of why you and I ought to love Him, why you and I can love Him, why you and I should love Him. That we could go on and on about the blessings, the things He's he's done for us, and, and the things that He's helped us through in this life of why we ought to love Him and why we can love Him, but it really makes no sense why He would love you and I. Why would He love a vessel like me? Why would He love someone who's been drenched in sin? Why would He love someone who's, who's just turned against Him time and time again in my past? I cannot, I cannot think about why He would love me, but now even in the present, I still cannot see why He would love me because there's nothing in me but Him that is honored. That, that, that is, is uh, worthy of his love. 
There's nothing in me that is worthy. Brother David, you were talking about desiring that call to preach. And I, I didn't deserve that call in my life. I don't know why he called me to preach. I'm not any better than anyone else. Just yesterday, I was talking to a young lady and her child. Uh, we've done some work for them, and they pulled up at another job. A little girl, I've tried to get her to come to church, but she don't want to come. But I was talking to them, and she seems to think that I think that I'm better than everybody because she knows who I used to be. And it seems like she thinks that I think I'm better because I am better than, than who I used to be in a sense. If y'all get what I'm saying? But I, she puts off like she thinks that I think I'm better than she is because I've changed. Because he changed me. And I tried to express to her, I said... There's, there's, I'm no better than you. I'm no better than him. I'm no better than anyone else on the face of this earth. But God is so loved the world. He so loved you. He so loved me. He so loved each and every person that they may call upon him to be saved. I said, there is nothing different about me than there is about you. But he that lives in me, he is the better one. He is the only one. And he is worthy of our praise. That you see that there was a change in my life, but it was not because of me. There's nothing I could do to deserve it. By grace are you saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. There was nothing I could do, there's nothing I can do to earn His grace. He gives it freely as the gift of God. We all were sinners. This is the the title to the message. is past, present, and future. Past, present and future we all have a past we're all in the present and we all have a future there's two sides of that coin especially for the future but there's two sides of that coin you see romans 3:23 says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of god so in your past you're a sinner now if you've never been saved Throughout this whole message, I may, I may mention a couple of things about maybe what you are if you're still lost. But mostly, if you're still lost today, you're stuck in this past state. But if you're saved today, you were a sinner. You were sorry. You were slothful. You were sickly. You were steeped in sin. And I, I wrote that one down, and I began to think, you know, everybody's been sick lately, so I was drinking, when I was sick, I was drinking a lot of green tea with honey and lemon. It's supposed to help with some things, but I would, I would take that green tea bag and steep it in the hot water. And you sit that tea bag in the water, and you begin to see the tea, the good, be sucked out of that bag and becomes a part of that water. And you were, and I was. Steeped in sin. You were set down in sin. You were set down in that hot water like that bag of tea. And all of your good began to be sucked out of you. And then you soon see no difference in the water and the tea. You soon see no difference in you and the sin. You see, as a Christian, we're supposed to love the sinner but hate the sin. But sometimes you become... The sin, in a sense. You, you put that tea bag in that water, and it all becomes tea. 
There's no separation in it. Steeped in sin. You were separated from God. I think about Adam. Brother, you mentioned Adam briefly. I think about Adam. He was not, there, was, there was no separation from him and God until sin. And we could go, I believe it could be preached on either side, and there could be some truth in both sides, whether Eve's fault or Adam's fault. But the point is, there's separation from God because of sin. And you and I were separated from God. We were set to fail. We were sorrowful. We were saddened. We were sinking. We were Satan's slaves. We were sons of Satan. man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. A man born, the first birth, is naturally a son of Satan. Your father, the devil. You were Satan's slave. You were Satan's son. When you were born into this world, when you were born into sin, you were Satan's son. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to Satan. Mark, John, y'all don't have to turn there, but the book of John, chapter 8, uh, verse number 44. If I can get over there. John eight forty four says, Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, Jesus is speaking here to some Pharisees and some Jews that are there against him. Some, some non-believers, if you will. You are of your father, the devil. So, past, we were some things. We were sinners. This goes to those that are saved that you were. Now, if you're not saved, you still are a sinner lost and on your way to hell. You still are. We were lost without hope. We were looking for something. We were leaning on nothing. We were living on the outside, yet dying on the inside. We were liking everything and loving nothing. Living for nothing and dying for everything. Longing to live, but looking to die. I feel the need to explain those last two, especially living for nothing, but dying for everything. We really had nothing to live for. Everything that we would try to do, you see, the, uh, the result of sin is death. Everything we were looking for, everything that we were doing, we're dying for it. And then longing to live, but looking to die. Really, deep down inside of us, we wanted life. We wanted to live. But everything we were looking for had death in it. Everything that we were looking for in our past state had death attached to it. But we are, secondly, we are some things. Past, present, and future. This is if you're... Born again, we are some things. Look right here in First uh, John chapter 3, verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. We are. You see, we were the sons of Satan. We Now we are the sons of God. You and I that have been born again, we now are the sons of God. Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the Spirit of of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. At verse 16 and 17, 
the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are, we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. You see, we are the children of God. We are saved by what? Grace. We are saved by grace. My sister sang just a few moments ago, if not for grace. If not for grace. There's probably two places that I would be if not for grace. Well, I'm pretty sure I would be in hell. There's not a person that could convince me that if I not got saved on April the 12th of 2020, you will not convince me if I not got saved that day that I wouldn't be in hell right now. Now, the other possible place that I think that I would be, it'd be jail. But seriously, I'd be in hell today if it were not for God's saving grace. It is not, it is not anything that I had done but the gift that God gave. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Ephesians 2, if I can get right there. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I begin to think about this and about people boasting and being prideful and, and things of that nature. And little Benny, you like wearing your suit, don't you? It makes you feel good, don't it? You see, and sometimes we get caught up in that outward appearance. And the, and the things that, that you see on the outside. And you put on that suit and you go, man, I feel good. Man, I feel good about myself. But it's been said before, it's not the suit that makes the man. And I may say it a little differently, but it's that inner man that maybe makes you want to put on a suit. And I'm not saying if you're saved today that you got to wear a suit. But it's that inner man that makes you change on the inside. And he makes you change on the outside. Me putting on this suit, just as I said earlier, I ain't no better than you. You ain't no better than me. I ain't no better than that drunk out there on the street. I ain't no better than that one with the needle in the arm. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be right there with him. Or even worse, like I said. I'd be in hell today if it were not for the grace of God. God help us to remember. God help us remind us, stir us up by way of remembering that we are nothing without Him. We are nothing without Christ. We serve a great God, brother. We serve a great God today. And it is but by grace that you and I are not burning in hell today. And can I tell you today that if you are lost, if you've never been saved, you still find yourself in this past state of a sinner. And you'll find yourself in, 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 the, in the present steeped in sin. And you'll find yourself in the future burning in an everlasting and eternal in a forever and forever hell. In torture and torment for the rest. I wouldn't say the rest of your days, but we can't really even grasp. The rest of our days, we think of our time here forever and ever. There, there's no end to it. I'll be closing with this. We shall be. Past, present, and future. We were some things. We are some things. But we shall be. We shall be some things. Verse number two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, 
we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And we can go through this Bible and we can pull out things that he is. We can pull out some ways that he is. And we, we don't really know fully and understand in our finite minds exactly what that is like. But we know that we shall be like him on that day that he returns for you and I. Or that day that your body, well, before your body's laid in the grave, when you pass from death, you shall be like him. If you are saved, if you are born again, you shall be like him. Uh, y'all, where y'all at? Y'all sing that song. There he is. And Braylon, y'all sing that song, More Like You, Less Like Me. How real that ought to be to us here. But there's going to be a day. We're not just going to be more like him, but we're going to be like him. And there's going to come a day that we're going to be with him. We're going to be more like him. We're going to be like him. We're going to be with him. We're going to be in a glorified body. We shall be free from our flesh. We are freed from sin in this life, but we still have this flesh that we dwell in. We still have uh, trials. We still have temptations. We still have hurt. We still have tears. We still have mourning. But one day we shall be delivered from all of this, from the world that we live in. We shall be delivered from it. We shall be taken out of this world. You and I shall be like him. I just want to say this quickly in closing. If you're not saved, you shall be forever in torture. You shall be forever in torment. And this is not me trying to trying to overshadow you and scare you, but if the Bible teaches if you have never been saved, if you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ that gave his life for you and I and There's a lot of people that think, okay, he's already done everything. I can do what I want to now. Because the sins of the world have been forgiven, right? The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach to continue in sin, to continue to dwell in sin because he's already paid for it. But he desires, God desires for you and I, Christ desires for you and I to put our trust in him, to live for him. He gave his life for you and I. It's our reasonable service to give our life for him. To do for him. I, one more thing real quick and I'll close. Preacher. I think I'm about, about right on time. I, I mentioned the, the folks I was talking to yesterday. I told them, I said, you know, I got, this is, this is kind of, you know, how it happened. I got to a place in my life. I was at a rock bottom. Thankfully, I had already been exposed to some church. I'd already been exposed that there is a Lord in heaven, that, that Jesus Christ did die for you and I. So I got to a place in my life, I was at a rock bottom, and I cried out. And we can, we can argue, I won't, but we can argue that God doesn't hear the prayer of a lost man. But I do know that he receiveth such as be as a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And I believe that on that day, there was some sincerity. Now, I'm not speaking yet of the day I got saved, but I fell on my knees, and I prayed to God. And I said, God, please do whatever, whatever it takes to get me where I need to be with you. And the thing about it is I didn't just say that. But God had allowed me to get to a point where I was so broken that I meant it. I did not care if it costed me a limb. I did not care if it costed me a loved one. I was broken and I was ready to do whatever I needed to do 
to give my life over to Him, but I realized I could not do it in myself. I did not have the strength to leave that stuff alone. I did not have the strength to save myself. I did not have what it took to, to, uh, to enter into the gates of heaven. I did not have what it took to save myself from hell. But I said, God, please do whatever it takes, God, to get me right with you. Do whatever it takes. I don't care what you have to do. Put me on my back. God, whatever it takes, save me. I didn't say save me then, but it was just a few months. There, there was a, just maybe a week after that, several things transpired, and I found out what it took. I found out what it took, and it took some things. But thank God he loves us enough to allow us to go through what it takes. It takes something different for each and every person, and he knows what it takes. And he's, he may not allow those things to happen until you're ready for it, until you're real with him. Until you're truthful with Him, until you really do not care what it takes to get right with Him, then He knows you're ready, and He'll do His part. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's all. We've got, um, Lord willing, our, uh, our youth choir. I think we've got enough. Something's missing. Have a still small voice. You just keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside? To think just for you on the cross someone died. Do you know how it feels when he knocks to surrender? Have your sins washed away, never to be.
I studied this message out. I thought it would be for our church a while back, and I haven't preached it there. Um, but God put it on my mind and my heart yet last night as I was laying there trying to figure out. I told Brother Jamie, I said, I have the, 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 uh, the downfall of having so many messages is having so many messages. Uh, because you have to figure out which one God wants you to go with. And so I hope it'll be what God wants, and I feel like it is, and praying that God will just move. I want to read two verses here in verse number 11 and 12. And uh, again, this is youth service, but I also uh, believe that this will fit in even in the older crowd, amen. And so elderly crowd, that's what you and I, amen, but, uh, but amen. Verse number 11, and uh, you forgive me, I've, I've tried to say these names right. I'm never good at names, but the Bible says here, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a, a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Father, I pray, Lord, you please help us now as we look at this passage, that, God, you bring back the things that I've studied aforetime. Thank you, Lord, for the messages that's already been preached today. God, thank you, Lord, for these young men that, God, you're raising behind us, that, God, that they'll be preaching the Word of God of the King James Bible. And thank you, Lord, that, God, you allow us to be able to be a preacher. I know, Lord, that, God, it's a great blessing. And, Father, I pray, Lord, you please help now, God, in this service, that, God, you give what is needed. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we know that Second Samuel chapter number 23 talks about David's mighty men. And I know, uh, again, that a lot of times we think about men, we're thinking about older men as well. And uh, this was a group of highly trained soldiers who fought for David and aided him in the victories that he had. Among these men uh, were other three who served as David's personal bodyguards. If you read the scriptures, these men... Uh, and their deeds are described in these verses. But I want to focus on one man that we look here in this scripture that we've read about. His name is Shammah. He is described for us as a man who stood and took a stand in overwhelming odds and won a great victory from the help of the Lord. He's a man in whom that we as uh, uh, older generation as preachers and uh, church members as well as young people can learn some things from him. The Bible tells us here that the Philistines attacked the people of God. And when they came all, all that, uh, when they came to attack, everybody fled away except for the one man named Shammah. He took a stand in a field of lentils. Let me say that don't don't sound like very much, but yet it was something that was important to him enough to stand and fight the battle. I would like to take him and look at him for a few minutes tonight or this afternoon on what he did and how he stood and why he stood. Let me say this next generation that's behind us is well worth the fight. Amen. I know there's a lot that's given in to the enemy around us. I know there's a lot of churches that's falling around us and going to the contemporary styles. But man, we need somebody that'll stand against this old world and raise up the banner of the old bloodshed. Jesus died on the rugged cross of Calvary so that we might not let the world take what little we do have. Amen. 
So the first thing I want us to notice here is the assault of the enemy that's present in verse or presented. Verse number 11 again it says, And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. The Bible is clear when it tells us the Philistines were attacking the people of God. It was a time of great conflict for the children of Israel. Notice what the Bible reveals. First of all, it's a raid of the enemy. The Bible tells us that these verses say the Philistines came and the people in the fields fled away. Let us know that the enemy was most likely came during the time of harvest. It was a time when most of the people that were in the fields were occupied with their business and occupied getting their crops in. They were busy working working but they were not busy preparing for battle this is still the, what the when the enemy comes in our life you see a lot of times we're in the harvest time it's a great time of joy people are working hard to get their crops in the barn in, in a spiritual sense they're resting from their labors they're enjoying the fruits and let me say it this way we're at ease at Zion and all the while the enemy's on the outside ready to come in and take what we have they're attention here was focused on what they were doing and again not preparing for going to battle when the enemy comes he catches them unprepared and they're easily defeated when does the enemy come against us often it comes against us in the midst of our greatest blessing the enemy often comes in the midst of our greatest victories a lot of times we'll come, uh, he will come rather when we're involved doing some good things for the Lord. He will come when our minds are occupied on other things. And what a good lesson for us as old people as well as young people today. How many times do we find ourselves busy working for our things and the good of the church or even that. And yet we come under the attack of the devil. I think too often we're like the church of Ephesus where we're doing many things. We have so many things that we've got going good for us, but yet we have left our first love, as the Bible tells us there. We're busy for the Lord, but we do not realize a lot of times that the enemy is there inflicting serious wounds to the heart. God would have a people that would be prepared in the days that we're in. The Bible does not go without noticing when it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, warreth, uh, roaring, uh, uh, seeketh whom he may uh, uh, devour. Amen. And so he's not left us without any examples. We think about Nehemiah who was building the wall. The people were building the wall with one hand or with one mind. And then the other ones had a sword in their hand so they could fight. Now a lot of times in the independent Baptist crowd, we're so busy. And I, and I thank God that we're able to shout. I thank God we're able to worship God. But I think a lot of times we're only focused on the shout. And we're only focused on the worship that we forget about. There's a great battle that's on the outside. We've got to be able to say thank God while we're sitting there slewing the enemy at the same time. But the enemy likes to come in and like, like I said it's a raid. Let us learn to watch while we work. The reason that the, see, we see the raid of the enemy, the reason of the enemy came. It says here the enemy came against Israel for only two reasons. And that is to inflict casualties and to destroy the crops that they had. The Philistines knew that if they could wound their enemies and bring them to a place of hunger that they would be easily defeated and enslaved. Let me say, that's where we are today. 
where people are as a bunch of casualties in the ministry. There's a bunch of casualties and young people and so on. The enemy has come in. While we're sitting here worried, and again, don't take me wrong, but while we're sitting over here and worried about trying to pump the young people up to be able to get them to shout and praise the Lord, their only, uh, their only substance that they have is the shout. They don't have nothing to stand on. And when the enemy comes, he's only inflicting uh, casualties. How many young people do you know today that could be in the house of God, but they're not here? How many do you know that used to be in the house of God and used to serve God? How many preachers do you used to know that served God, that yet now they're a casualty simply because they got used to the shout and had no substance? The same is true concerning our enemy. He comes for those two reasons. I want to let you on a secret tonight. The devil and the world do not mind us having church down here at all. See, the devil and his enemy does not mind us singing. The devil uh, don't mind us preaching the Word of God. He don't mind us getting involved in the things that we're doing for the Lord. But he minds when we decide that we're going to get serious about serving God and doing our whole our best for God and putting our whole heart into everything that we do. That's when the devil will come and try to attack. The devil will attack us when we pray in a fervent spirit. He will attack us when we're reaching out and begin to witness for the glory of God. He will attack us when we're starting to praise His name in the Lord's place. He will attack us when we decide that we're not satisfied in being like other churches and youth groups that's around us. When we decide that we're going to take a stand for the Lord, we need to watch out. Trouble's on its way. The devil's coming when we start taking a stand. As long as we're doing nothing, we're no threat to the devil. And so they, we, we see this enemy's coming in, the reason he's trying to inflict casualties and take the crop. And then the results that the enemy found. Let me hurry. The results, the verses tells us that the enemy came and all the people fled. What the enemy found was no opposition. They would march into the fields and the people would flee in terror. Sounds like a lot of young people, doesn't it, today, and also older people today as well. See, he'll use someone in the church to start some some dumb drama. And the next thing you know, the young people's against the other young people. The older folks are against the other older folks, amen. And it's just a constant battle. See, the devil loves to do that. He causes the trouble. But understand, when that all happens, a lot of times, a lot of times when the drama comes in, people are just willing to lay down the sword and go on. Well, that, well, there's drama in the church. Well, let's just quit. Let's go to another church. You know, that's where a lot of people are today. They flee the church. No one wants to take a stand for the things of God anymore. I want us to know that's the reason why many churches are falling around us today. It's simply because the drama has run off a good preacher or the drama has run off a good youth group and so on and so forth. And there is no courage. There is no, 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 no resolve to stand against the things of the devil. We're engaged in the greatest struggle that the world has ever known right now. When all the flashy things of this world that has the label Christian on it, we're, ba- we're battling one of the greatest times the world's ever known. It's always been, we know that. But see, we have these so many mega things that's going on around us and it is alluring, it's a draw to the young people. And the next thing you know, our young people's all mixed up in that mess and then they don't have a stand for God anymore. God has placed His church in the world to be a light for glory. And many times, we won't take a stand to protect which what the Lord has given us. 
And God has given us some things that we ought to take a stand for. That's exactly what the Philistines found when they came at this time was no opposition. There's no opposition. Let me say the answer to the enemy's purpose, verse number 12. But he stood. When everybody else was fleeing away, when everybody else was going a different direction, when everybody else was going a new way, amen, this man, this Shammah, he stood up and said, No, I'm not going to let the world take what God has given us. We need some people with that type of resolve to be able to fight the battle. The Bible tells us he stood. He resolved in his heart that he was going to fight wholeheartedly for the land of the lentils. He made up his mind that he would not run away from the battle. Maybe he had ran before, but not this time. Today, he would stand and make a difference in this little field that he had. He would fight even if it cost him his life. He was willing. You see, Shammah knew that there was some things worth fighting for. Let me say, so it is in the church. We should not just stand back and watch the world move in the way it's done in the youth group and also in the uh, in all churches that when the world's come in and taken over, we should just not run away and hide when the enemy's trampling over everything uh, that we love under his feet. We need to decide today as the older generation and the old young generation that we're going to take a stand and not go the way that the world says you need to go we could come make up our minds that we're tired of seeing the devil hinder the work of God we could resolve in our hearts today that there are some things that are worth fighting for the reason for to fight the resolve for the fight but then the reason why did Shammah fight he knew because it says the Bible says and he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it he knew without food that people would perish. He knew that people had to eat, and if they were going to eat, there had to be some fields that he had to be, had to be defended. Again, I say Shammah knew that there were some things worth fighting for. Let me say just a few things that I believe in my heart. There's some things that are worth fighting for. The church that we go to and the reputation of that church is worth fighting for. Let me say, when you go outside these four doors, everybody's a Christian in here. But whenever you go outside these four doors, what are you representing your church that you go to? And I, I don't know anything, any, amen. I, I don't think I'm off target when I say that. But what, what does your church know about you or what they know about your church by what they know about you? Our church reputation is very important. And man, I know all about church reputation. In my growing up as a young man, as a young preacher, first church we was part of, man's caught in adultery. And man, that reputation of that church, guess what? That church has changed its name. It's not even in existence anymore. I know of other churches that I've been a part of, same exact thing. The reputation of that church is they run off every preacher they get. Uh, other churches' reputation is this church has had a preacher that stole money or, or, or the uh, secretary or whatever stole money and so on and all this stuff. What is the reputation? that It's worth to stand so the church still has a reputation. It's also worth to stand so that we can reach the loss of this world. And the Word of God we hold to. Boy, when everybody else is throwing out the Word of God and getting all these other, other versions of it, amen, we need to stand. And the young people's looking for something and they get out and they don't understand the Bible because you have a lot of people that don't even teach them the Bible and so on. And man, they're looking for stuff and they grab. But let me say there's something worth fighting for. 
and not giving up our Bibles, old-fashioned praying, old-fashioned preaching, old-fashioned uh, pre- uh, praising the Lord. Let me say another thing worth fighting for, worth, uh, worth uh, uh, giving our lives for is holy and clean living. Amen. We ought to want to live right. In these days and hour, when it is, like I said, I hate to keep going back to the contemporary aspect, but man, this contemporary world has moved in and it's taught and changed a lot of stuff. And that holy living and clean living is something of the past, is what we, what most people think. But let me say, the Bible says, "Be ye holy, for therefore, be ye holy." I am holy. Amen. Our Christian homes, our families, our young people, teaching them the right way. Those are things that are worth dying for. Those are things worth fighting for. And where Shammah, he stood up for the things of God. Then the reward for the fight of the battle. The Bible tells us that Shammah slew the enemies of the people of God. Look at it, if you will. It says in verse number 12, and slew the Philistines. He slew them. The Bible tells us that because he fought, he enjoyed a great victory. If he had to run away like everybody else and have been a coward like everybody else and would not have defended what God, what he felt like was important to him, the enemy would just have prevailed over him. And we must take the stand for the Lord. We must take our stand for what's right and what's important. If we don't, if we don't do it, who will? See, if we don't, if we that who claim to love the things of God do not take a stand and fight for what we believe in then when these things are lost, we, may, we cannot complain about it. And I see that in our, in our day, in our generation. But whenever we was too weak or we was too coward to stand up, we've lost a lot of things. When the enemy has secured the victory and the cause of Christ has been hindered, then we who refuse to fight the good fight have no one to blame but ourselves. You say, young people today, you need to stand. Don't give in to the world. If we want the reward of victory, then we must arm ourselves. And we must stand our ground and fight the battle that God has put before us. Every, there is a moment, thank God, there is a moment in the midst of this Christian walk where there's great victory and we can rest for a minute. But let me say, that's just for a minute. Because the next moment you stand up, guess what? There's another battle to face. And if you're not prepared for each and every one, the conflicts that's going to come, if you're not prepared for them, you're going to fall and be a casualty. But if you stand and you've got the right things on, guess what? God will be there for you. Notice, if you will, the Bible says, and the Lord wrought a great victory. The Lord, see the achievement that was provided, Shammah stood up. Shammah Done the work, if you if you will. He was the one that slew the enemy. But it says the Lord wrought a good victory, or great victory. The last part of verse number twelve. He he gave Shammah the ability to stand. He gave Shammah the power to fight. He gave Shammah the skill to be able to win. He gave Shammah the victory over all his enemies. Shammah may have held the sword, but it was God who fought the battle. Let me say, when you decide to stand up, again, you're not standing alone. You may feel like that. I think about Elijah that was over there after he ran from uh, uh, Jezebel. And he's under there, juniper tree, and he's uh, crying. And it's kind of funny in a sense, but at the same time, I know he's in depression. But he says, man, I'm wanting to die. I mean, Jezebel was coming to kill him. And then he got so depressed that he's starting to think, well, I just wanted to die. If he really wanted to die, he would have just stayed over there with Jezebel. But he says, I'm the only one. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. 
that's doing right. I'm the only one serving God. And I feel like that a lot of times in my life. But then if you read on through that scripture, you'll find that I can't remember exact how many God said, but God said, I got multiple more than just you. Let me say, when we begin to stand, we may feel like we're standing alone, but let me tell you, I go to meetings sometimes around here and I realize that people are preaching the same Bible, singing the same songs, amen, and it gives me encouragement to know somebody else is standing with me, amen. And let me say, if any, but at, at the most, at, at, at least, at, at, the, at the greatest aspect of it, amen, even if nobody else is standing, God's standing with me. If I'm standing for right, you stand for right. Everybody else may not be standing for wrong. God's standing with me. It's the same when David walked in that valley as Brother, uh, uh, brother uh, lost his name, amen. Brother Ashton uh, said uh, the same thing there. David went down there. He threw the stone and all that. But what did it say? The Lord got the victory. We understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood their ground. Went, and they were thrown into the furnace. They didn't th- and they said, and even if God don't, we're not going to serve you, O king. God delivered them, and they got a great victory out of it. We know Daniel, as he said, in the lion's den, he went in there, and in, in spite of in spite of what was commanded, in spite of what was uh, uh, what was decreed, Daniel went, opened his windows, and began to pray as he did aforetime. Nothing around the world, nothing in the world, should cause us to back up our stand on God. Men take their stand because they're empowered by God. We're not able to do it on our own. We understand that. He's the one that gives the victory. When we fight spiritual battles of this life, we need to remember those battles are the Lord's. We notice that in Second Chronicles 20. We also notice that in uh, first, uh, Psalms 35, 1. And, Daniel, and Psalm of David, plead my cause, O Lord, with, the, uh, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. First Samuel uh, uh, 17, verse 47, the latter part of that says, For the battle is the Lord's. Therefore, when you fight the battles, whether you win or lose, you have done what the Lord requires. You've been faithful. And that's what he demands, to be faithful. We're not, we may not win every battle, but thank God I read the last chapter, amen, we win the war. The Lord, defend, uh, the Lord defeated uh, or defended the ground because God had one man who was willing to stand. The fields were protected. And the people were saved from starvation and from slavery. Think about that with me for a moment. If we do not stand, Satan will certainly take everything from the church that he can get his hands on. And if he takes away the Bible, what will the following, gener- or the following generations eat? If he takes away our desire to witness, who's going to go out and tell the gospel to the lost folks? If he takes away our will to pray, who will call on the Father and stand in the gap for this world? If we do not fight, then we will certainly lose the things that God has given us power to be able to overcome. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors, but if we're not standing, how can we conquer? If we do not fight today, then people will starve tomorrow. This is happening all around us in America. Preachers have given in to the enemy who have seen many fled away. And they've compromised on their Bible. They've they've compromised on their music. They've compromised on their standards to try to keep people coming. But all it's done is cause the next generation to starve to death. Let me say, in the field, if, it, if the field is not protected now, those who follow may not have a harvest to enjoy. Let me say, he says, again, but he stood in the midst of the ground 
and defeat and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Let me say today, the enemy is still attacking the people of God just as he did in those days. And just like it was then, so people are fleeing from the scene of the battle. People are abandoning the harvest and choosing to flee rather than fight. What are we to do today? Are we willing to stand idle while the enemy raids the church and takes everything that we love so dear? Or are we like Shama, who will stand up and say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand. It may be little. It may be small. It may be insignificant to everybody else around us. But Shama said, look, it's lentils. I don't even know what that is, brother. Do you know what that is? I think it's like soup or something. I, I, mean, I, mean, I know they put it in soup. It's beans. I guess it's beans, amen. It's nothing really that big and significant, but yet it was enough to stand for. Well, whatever, I don't know, and most of you come to this church, but hey, you may not have a big church, may not have a big growth, but understand this, whatever we have here is worth standing for. Whatever I have back at my church is worth standing for. Amen. It may not be much, but thank God it's worth something. God called me to it. And God called my family to it, amen. It's worth standing for, not giving it over to the devil just so that we have more people. It's not worth giving it over to the devil just so that we have more spirit. And the Bible says, try the spirits, amen. There's a lot of churches that have spirit, but they don't have the spirit, amen. And I say today, what are we, are we going to stand? Old people, and I, I hate to say old people, that, that just sounds kind of crude, amen. But uh, you older folks, amen, are you willing to stand? Let me say, young people, are you willing to stand or are you just going to give in to the compromised crowd that's around you? Thank God there's some good young people, amen. I'm glad of that. You go to youth power to youth meeting and things like that, amen, and you, you see the greatness of the uh, number of young people that's more that's an old-time way, amen. And I tell you, there's a, a lot, a lot in my area, a lot in my area. They go to a church down there. I wouldn't call it a church, but they go to a First Baptist church there, and uh, they have this thing called the Merge, and they got all the young people. They have a Warren Petty who is on the American Idol come, and he's singing in the, you know, singing in the quote-unquote church and all that stuff. And they say, oh, boy, how God's Spirit moves. And they have about, you know, 30, 40, 50 young people in there. Oh, how God's Spirit moves. That same guy who sung something about some contemporary music out there singing something about drinking and all that other stuff. How God moves. That's where we live at today. I'm telling you. We could go that same way, and we could probably have 50 young people at our church too. But is it worth it? No. I'm not willing to give up the lentils. That's what I should have called it. I'm not willing to give up the lentils. Amen. Amen.
sing a couple, and um, um, kids, y'all stay where you're at just for a second, um, we're gonna, just in case you've got a dollar bill in your pocket, we want it in the plate, come on, um, but uh, Kurt, you and Nicholas come, and uh, you were rubbing off on me, Nicholas, uh, come and take up the offering, and uh, Brother Nick, I appreciate you, and uh, I ask you if you will uh, to pray for the offering. And you pray about these messages uh, that God would touch and uh, God would continue to, to bless even after the service is over. Our young folks to come and uh, and just kind of feel the, the choir here. I think they're going to do one song, and then all any of the other young folks who want to come up and sing uh, with them on this last one, y'all feel free to come on.
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, of course, I want to say thank you to to Chandler, to Ashton, Zachary, Kurt, and Brother Brian uh, for coming and for preaching. And um, I, as I was praying, I believe it was at some point today, I just got to thinking about our best laid plans. And sometimes they just don't work out the way that we lay them out. Um, but I personally have been blessed, and I'm not going to dare say that you have been blessed, but something leads me to believe that you have. And uh, I'm thankful for that today, and I'm thankful that you're here. And um, Brother Brian and his family, when they were up here, I just... <laughs> I got to thinking about all of the prayers that have went up for Sister Stephanie. And over over the last several years, and I was trying to find it, I've got a blue post-it note in my Bible. Um, I think, Rachel, you wrote it um, shortly after we heard about uh, Sister Stephanie. And um, it just simply says, pray for Sister Stephanie Howard. And every time, now I can't find it when I need it, but every time I open my Bible, it used to be right there in the front, it said, pray for Stephanie Howard. And uh, there's been a lot of prayers. Go up for you, sis, and uh, you're a walking, talking miracle. And I guess it could be said that you're a dead woman walking, according to what the doctors have to say. But I'm thankful you're still playing the piano and still singing. And I couldn't tell you the name of the song. I couldn't tell you the lyric that you sang. But it so fit you because God's blessings are all over you. And that just blessed my heart. And uh, But thank you all so much for being here um, I, I've got something I need to give Sister um, Sister Stephanie, but I just walked back there and somebody has brought a load of Dunkin' Donuts, and so church is over. All right, <laughs> if I'd seen them an hour ago, we'd have been out. All right, but um, we've got plenty of food back there. We planned, I think, on sixty or seventy people here, and so that we were, I think, we were planning like three pieces of pizza per person. So you could probably eat maybe six or 17 per person now if you want to. There's plenty back there, uh, and, and I don't even know what all uh, is back there, but we want you to stay and, and just fellowship with us. And so some of you ladies, Abby, I feel like you're one of these ladies. You like those big containers, you know, like, I don't know, Jerry Jugs or whatever filled with stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Sister Stephanie, you know, we were up there with them in November, and every day she had a new one. And I, as one of his men, I declare unto God, um, they got bigger every time. And I said, sis, come on. Well, she posted on Facebook the other day that she wanted another one. And I, I'm thinking, Brother Brian, you got to put your foot down. Be the man of the house. Put your woman you don't need anymore. And then the devil got on me. And he said, why don't you just get her one? Just bypass all the red tape. And so uh, we got her one. And, and she wanted it Christmas. And so this is the best that I could do. Uh, so you, you got five gallons worth. You got your straw. And it's plastic, so it, you know, just put you plenty of water in it, and or plenty of ice in it. It'll, it'll, it'll take care of you. Uh, 
and uh, at least keep you from getting too thirsty, all right? <laughs> but uh, I appreciate y'all being being with us. Let's everybody stand, and I'll just kind of tell you for any, I think most of you ladies are local ladies, but our church is having a fellowship for the ladies on December the 9th, which is next Saturday from 10 to 12, and so we want to remind you about that.